Hi, I'm Dr. Sab Cohen-Hatton. I'm a neuroscientist specialising in human and animal learning mechanisms. I'm Jamie Penrith. I specialise in canine predatory behaviour. And I'm also a former police dog handler. I'm Danny Wells. I'm a dog trainer that specialises in unwanted and dangerous behaviour. Every week we sit down to talk about the latest research in canine science. And more importantly, how you can apply that science to your own dogs to get to know them even better. Welcome to the Dog Scholar. And I have a dog's got a question. Question me up. I will question you up. Can dogs pick up our bad habits? Well. What do you think? I hope not, because mine will be walking around scratching its ass way too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, can they pick up our bad habits? I'll say that, do you know what? This is actually quite an interesting question. To of me course it is. I wrote because it. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, be, that'll make for the next episode now nah, let's move on that's, that's a bad question yeah. um, okay so this is an interesting question I think this is an interesting question because you, it would suggest that a dog is able to mimic what we do right mm-hmm. is able to copy what we do so um, yeah I've got, I've got some I'll, I'll save it till later on but I've got some um, experience of this uh, where I tested it out myself yeah. you know I'm one of my own dogs which I know that we've we've done you know, I'll say, well, we've all done, haven't we? Uh, where there's things that we've tried it out. But this is one that I, that I did. So, yeah, we'll see. We all learn by watching, right? Dogs are no different. And there's a, a difference, I think, between copying what you do versus learning by association. So yeah. you learn what happens after something else happens. <laughs> but what do we mean by copying? Well... I shall show you. We have an experiment. You ready for an experiment? Yeah, Am I getting experimented on? You're getting, I'm going to experiment on you. Right. You have that. You have that. And what I'll is that? that? Well, I'm going to show you what imitation is, right? Yeah. Imitation is basically do as I do. So just do exactly as I do. All right, pay attention. Yep, there you go. Imitation, perfect. Now, I'm going to show you what emulation is because there's a subtle but important difference. Now, got them in front of you. Put your hands behind your back like that. You cannot move your hands from behind your back. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You can't move your hands from behind your back. Now, copy what I do. (laughs) I copied what you did. (laughs) But you got your hands behind your back. I followed the most recent instruction. No, you cheated. You emulated. Well done, Danny. Nailed it, my friend. Yeah, I've got I've got a better experiment than that. I used to I used to um, I used to win a free drink in a pub. You ever do that one? When you go, copy what I do, and you nail the shot, and they all nail it, and then you go, and they go, ah, and they swallowed it. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Well, Made a free drink. Well, yeah, yeah. So imitation, imitation is when you watch someone do something and you reproduce that behaviour exactly. So like you just did then, when we put the sweets down and I said, copy what I do, and I picked it up with my hand and you did exactly. Basically, Jamie, you're absolutely crap at Simon Says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not though. I'm not. She said, put your hands behind your back, and then she said, copy what I do. You you didn't follow. Yeah, but then she said, copy what I do after that. But it was emulation because the key thing was you weren't supposed to take your hands from behind your back. Now emulation is when. And you copy something, but not exactly, which is exactly what Danny did. So I told you to pick it up and eat it, but you had your hands behind your back and you couldn't, so you had to put your face down. Found to the an table alternative way Exactly okay. that, exactly that. Basically, now, Danny's more like a dog. <laughs> well, actually, do- animals are more akin to emulating us than directly imitating us yeah. because, you know, they don't have hands. So, for example, if... Luther watches me open the cupboard to get a treat out and then I close the cupboard and go off and do something else. And then he goes, I want a treat. I know what to do. He's not going to go and use his paw to open the cupboard. Is he? He's going to use his nose to open the cupboard. So he's Emulate. emulating he's me emulate. as opposed to imitating me. Now, babies start to copy at about eight months old. It's really important for learning new skills from yep. people. And copying is a very social behavior as well. So if you're, uh, you know, you will mimic someone else's body language to show that you're interested in them. So, you know, whether you're on a date and you kind of like unconsciously copy the body behavior or whether you're with a friend, you'll find that you'll do the same thing. If you're interested in that person, you will subconsciously copy each other's body behavior. I've got, I've got an interesting point on that. You know, I, I of all the dogs I've had, I don't find that they try and em- emulate much like I've helped someone with um, I've helped service dogs people who want the dogs to help them around the house before and when they want to open fridges and stuff mm. you know this um, they call, what do they call it James copy me training or something do like, as I do do as I mirror me training mirror me training 
it, it, it's, I'm not, de- I'm not denying that, that some dogs do it, but the, the, the amount of dogs that do it in comparison that don't is unbelievable. So what I would do to teach them to open cupboards and fridges, I would have like a, you know, like a suction cap that'll stay on something. Yeah, I'd play tug like with plunger. them. I'd play tug with them on the, on the, uh, with, with something and then stick it to something and they open it. Mark reward, mark reward, that kind, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And they learn it through interactive games. Yeah. I, 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 I can't imagine how much time I'd have to, I'd have to give to just open the cupboard. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Well, you know what I mean? you're right. But dogs definitely learn observation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In some ways. I mean, you take allelomimetic behavior, which is when the dogs will do something that all of the other dogs are doing. You're yeah, kind yeah. of like mimicking it so if, for example you have a multi-dog household the doorbell goes one dog barks all of the dog barks it's the same with babies crying on a plane right how many times you've been on a plane and one baby starts crying and then all of them start crying well, wolves when, howling when to start clapping yeah, yeah, in, a, yeah. in, a, in, yeah. in a theater yeah. so you yeah. wait for somebody goes yeah. and then everybody yeah. else wait also... i'll show you jimmy choo jimmy choo jimmy choo yeah <laughs> <laughs> can i just please take credit i started that did, that did. was negative so, reinforcement on my part. Yeah, 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 I just, yeah, didn't, I just didn't want to end up looking like the outsider. So we have this thing with the dogs in the studio that whenever Jimmy Choo appears, then someone has to go, Jimmy Choo! But it's then all, all, everyone else starts yeah. doing it. The thing is, it's an adaptive social behaviour. I mean, you joked about it then. It's like, I want to be in the pack. Well, But yeah, and it's exactly the same. It's a social behaviour. And then you think about things like learning how to hunt. Yeah. You would have needed to have copied others around you to be able to learn that. So, you know. Puppies show a lelomimetic behaviour from as young as six weeks old. Do you know, funny enough, we've um, we've always, I've never known there was any any science that would um, that would confirm it, but we we always let young young um, protection dogs and and dogs that we plan on on working, we always let them watch. We always have the um, the handlers hold them and let them observe exactly what a uh, shepherd would do with a sheepdog. Yeah, yeah, observe what's going on. Exactly the same. Yet, so throughout, even without any um, any science to back anything up. In the working dog world, people we we've always really let them observe what their jobs are going to be, haven't we? And got to, and uh, we always looked at it from the point of getting them all excited for something, you know, building arousal. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because one of the studies that I found looked at working dogs exactly doing that kind of thing. Right. So they took German Shepherd pups from mothers of either trained or untrained scent detection dogs, and the pups of the dogs had to watch their mothers find and retrieve a package. And I know that that's weird because we don't necessarily do that. Do it, it, well, no, it, no, it is weird. I can't, I can't imagine why they would um, have a dog retrieve mm. any sorts of narcotics. It's not the done thing. A dog would hold an indication. Isn't that right, well, Jamie? There's mul- multiple reasons why <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't have a dog retrieve the narcotics. Yeah, yeah, so One, not, there goes your evidence. Yeah, and two, there goes your dog. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not sure yeah. Why, I'm not sure why they're doing that, but okay. I don't yeah. know. I read the study verbatim and that was mm. what they did in this particular okay. study. So you, you would never really, you'd never expect a detection dog, especially a narcotics detection dog, to retrieve a package of narcotics. You'd expect them to hold a point of focus and give you a sit and wait to be rewarded. Much like, much like what Jamie's doing there, yeah. <laughs> or if you're poorly trained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then you're, and I'm waiting. Do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Timing's out. <laughs> the re- just so that makes some sense, the reason we're doing that is because the dog's being rewarded for looking at the handler. So yes. the person who's training the dog yes. is going to give the dog a reward for looking at it. But quite often the timing's out on the part of the trainer yeah. and they give the dog the reward when the dog's looking at them. So instead the dog thinks, ah, never mind this. I need to look at you after I've looked at this. Yeah, and that's yeah, what yeah. gets me like, the reward. Like this, have a treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> well-trained dog following the reward. Yeah, Poorly trained dog following the reward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, cut a long story short, the pups would watch their mother's find the package and retrieve the package and then they'd get praise and reward when they found them. Now, without any other training or reinforcement, at six months old, the pups were tested on their ability then to go on and find the hidden packages. And guess what? The pups that had watched their mother perform the scent work between six to 12 weeks did significantly better than the pups that hadn't watched anything happening at all. So clearly they're not just watching and mimicking. They have the capacity to learn from what they're doing as well. Mm -hmm. It makes sense from a training perspective that the dog would learn the practical behaviour. Obviously, they're not learning to search because there's a a tunnel of scent and association to scent. But sometimes when you're training dogs to search, the actual search pattern can be the hardest bit, can't Mm -hmm. it? Because they're over-aroused and they're putting their heads here, there and everywhere. And then once you get that pattern right, you can start to make the association of scent. So it makes sense, doesn't it? I love stuff like that because I, I like to, uh, that for me is something that I could break down just in my mind and sort of look at alternative answers, alternative 
you know, reasons for the behavior happening from, from a, the dog's perspective. And like when you picked up on the scent, you know, it could be that the pup is identifying a given scent that if that same scent or that same experimenter is putting out that same scent, then it's carrying the scent of the experimenter as well. So the pup has learned to identify anything in the environment that is carrying either the scent of the thing that it's looking for, the scent of the person that's put the thing Mm. out, which we could think, wow, they've done it. You know, this is uh, mimicking, Mm. you know, whereas in actual fact, and I know we always do this, we're we're such a, you know, we we like to, we like to reduce our source down to the, you know, the strongest sort of like um, stock at the end. But really, if you bring it right down, there is wide open the the doorway still for, Mm. um, Associative learning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%, based yeah. 100%, associative learning. 100%, 100%. But what we are seeing is the dog's definitely learning by watching. So yeah. there is something there, isn't there, about being careful about who you let your dogs hang yeah, out especially with. especially the fact that the, gr- the group that we're allowed to observe learned at a faster rate than the group that yeah. weren't allowed to observe. Yeah. You can't yeah. argue with that, can you? Well, you think about, you know, taking your dog down the park and seeing some of the behaviours of the other dogs. You know, you just really may not want your dog exposed yeah. to that. And how many times do you see pet dogs, you know, they're struggling with one dog with reactivity and barking, they get another one and that's doing the same. It's, yeah. em- it's emulating, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've got a story, a personal anecdote that involved pumpkin there. And I like to think about things like this, you know, mimicry and are dogs able to, is it all associative learning or is there something deeper than that? And where I used to live, um, I had outside, I had a double kennel and I had a circular enclosure, a six foot enclosure around it as well. That's not where the dogs lived, but if there was ever need to have to segregate the dogs, then they would go out there. And um, Pumpkin um, was out in the, the, the enclosure with the kennel. Now the kennel was... Um, alongside the six foot fencing. I actually videoed this. I've got the video of this as I did it. And it was something that at the time blew my mind. And I still don't know the actual answer to why it happened. So what I did was pumpkin, right from when she was young, she can jump. She jumps and picks apples. She'll pick fruit from trees and things like that. And there was a particular corner of this enclosure that she would jump up. And she could have, had she gone gone up and gone two inches forward, she'd have cleared it. But she never figured that bit out. She yeah. just used to bounce up and down like she was on a trampoline, you know. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you know, I wonder, it'd be interesting to see if she could figure out a way to get out of this enclosure. So as I say, my kennel, my double kennel was alongside the, the fence. So it was mm. sitting alongside the fence. But she still had the problem of, she'd never jumped in this part, but she still had the problem of how, how would she get out of it. And I took a step ladder. And I took a stepladder and I went into the enclosure and Pumpkin was just walking around. Sherlock was in there as well, who's another one of my dogs. And I took this stepladder and I leaned it against um, the fence. And what I did was with Pumpkin watching, first of all, I put a piece of food on, I think, the second or third uh, third step of the stepladder. So she put a paw and she'd never climbed a ladder in her life. I'd never trained her to, I had no reason to train her to climb a ladder. There's no point in me teaching her to climb a ladder. Um, and she, she took three steps up and took the piece of food. And then I ignored her and I walked up the ladder and I touched the top of the kennel and I touched the top of the fence and I walked back down the ladder and I walked out of the kennel enclosure and I left her in there and I left Sherlock in there. I left a camera rolling whilst, whilst I was gone. And what she actually did was she circled around a little bit, then she went over to the bottom of the ladder, she sniffed it to begin with, and she climbed it. She climbed the ladder to the top, stood onto the kennel roof, went to the back of the kennel and jumped out and came over and found me. I didn't call her or anything. And that, to me, was a real sort of like moment. There's not many moments in my dog behaviour, dog training career where I think, how on earth did that just happen? I can't explain with my reductionist yeah. sort of like Occam's razor, bring everything down to its most common probable cause mentality. <laughs> I can't explain this because I don't believe in fairy tales. But it was like one of these things where I thought, wow, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, she, she's never done it. It, mm. it wasn't, I hadn't trained it, you know, by what you'd call successive approximation. There weren't incremental yeah. steps where the food goes higher and higher and yeah, higher. Yeah. She took it upon herself. To do that mm, yeah, and yeah. to solve that problem, it became a problem afterwards. I was going to say, uh, here, here on the Dog Scholar, we do not encourage a dog to escape this <laughs> she's enclosure. Now a, yeah. She's now a window cleaner. Seriously, had she ever seen you climb a ladder? Then, not until then. That was the first was, and yeah, only yeah. time she'd Do you know what, though? The only kind of thing I'd think about is dogs are following us all the time. So it would, it, 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 to me, it's not it's not a shock that they would follow you in a direction. I think that is different if you were opening things, lifting mm. things. Yeah. I think it's a different kind. They're, they're practiced in following us all the time they're not practicing yes but maybe there's something but different what, about motion yeah 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 but in that instance, wow, if i'd have climbed the ladder yeah. 
and exited the kennel via that route, yeah, I maybe. could get, I could take that. Yeah. But I climbed the ladder, came yeah. down, went yeah, out yeah. of the gate. Yeah. So you would think, yeah. well, it go around to where up, you always When she just to- got to that point, it just opened up a new realm of possibilities. Right, yeah. right. And, yeah. and a new natural decision-making took yeah. over and yeah. she, and she yeah, got yeah. out. But it's phenomenal. I love stuff like that. Yeah. And I love that Jamie loves stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I know we all, we're all into that sort yeah, of thing. But yeah, I've, I've really got cool. the video of it. I don't know whether or not we're able to... I bet you were in the background just going, you clever cow. I was stunned. I was stunned. You know, but maybe we can put a... A link somewhere to the actual video. It's on my YouTube channel where you can see. I it. think people would want to see that. Yeah, yeah I want to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and have a look. I'll, yeah. put, I'll put it on there. I'll, I'll retitle yeah. it or whatever, yeah. and I'll put it on yeah. dog climbing ladder or something. Okay, so we've seen that puppies can copy. You know, we believe that puppies can copy, can mimic, and babies mimic. Is there anything scientifically? I know I've given my anecdote with pumpkin, but is there anything scientifically to support my? observational findings to say that that transfers into older life. Actually, I found some science that suggested that dogs' ability to learn by watching gets better with age. Um, There aren't that many studies that looked at adult dogs mimicking behaviour, and some were a little bit inconsistent in whether dogs would copy a behaviour or not, and it would kind of depend on the situation and the way that the experiment was set up. But I did find a pretty good one with this, and it compared whether dogs who watched other dogs were more likely to be able to acquire a behaviour than dogs that hadn't watched another dog performing that at all. That makes sense, doesn't yeah. it? Now, this one recruited 50 adult Labradors from the Italian School of Water Rescue Dogs, which is brilliant, I thought. And the handlers were told to invite their dogs to jump on a tree trunk or on a children's slide. Now, it was I know it's weird, but it was meant to be a bit unusual for the dog who wouldn't you know, generally jump up on a kid's slide. But the idea was a bit weird, but not impossible. Yeah, so it was doable, but the dog might go, oh, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing here. So, um, I've done both. Uh, have you? <laughs> yeah. What, you've dog, jumped I've on had, the tree I've trunk. Had dog, I've had one of my dogs go down a slide and I've had loads of them jump on tree trunks. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's not that weird. Yeah. Uh, well, dog people run with weird. it. Run with yeah. it for yeah. science. Run with it for science. So 17 dogs out of the 50 could do it straight away. So there's no point in including them in the study because they could already do it. We needed to see whether watching a dog could encourage them to do it. So they were discounted. There were 33 left and half of them watched another dog doing that thing. So either jumping on the slide or the tree trunk who could do it. And then half of them didn't. They were just given another chance to do it. And the results were super clear. Dogs who observed the other dog doing the behaviour were able to perform that behaviour then when they were invited to do it again far more than the dogs that hadn't seen another dog doing it. Um, And interestingly, older dogs were much more likely to be able to do those behaviours. Oh, well, yeah, that, that, that's not unfathomable to me. I, I would expect that, you know, it's a necessary skill for puppies to copy their, um, their, their adult dogs to I learn. I want to be like yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've, got a, I've got a funny story if you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you it? Say, when you say the water dogs, um, in many moons ago, um, and I was, I was training under a trainer that I started with and we'd done a, um, a protection dog demonstration at the Cheshire Game and Anglin Fair and they also had um, water dogs there and they, they were doing like a big, big demonstration on how they were used to tug boats and save people and this, that and the other and they, uh, they, they could not get their dogs in the water. They had people like, come on, come on, you were throwing balls the dogs were like, no, no, <laughs> in the end. One of them like pulled them on a harness into the water and the dog was just splashing around. Newfies, um, Newfoundland. Newfoundland, sorry, yeah, yeah Newfoundland. Um, and they were like, yeah, look. And then the dog literally just fled and was trying to swim back to shore. And Dragging the, the person. Yeah, and the whole onto the rope going, look, he's saving me. The worst thing they could have done was give the guy that was running our demonstration the microphone beforehand. Mm-hmm. He had the microphone and there's like two and a half thousand people at this and he turned the microphone on and they got to the shore and about like, you know, like that, you know, like there's nothing, the only thing worse than no one clapping is like one or two people clapping, isn't uh-huh. it? And he, he got the microphone and went, right, I think it's safe to say if you're drowning in Cheshire, you haven't got a hope in hell. Does anyone want to see some proper trained dogs? And we watched on. I was like, oh my, everyone went in an uproar. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it is hard, isn't it, for dogs to copy humans with those kind of yeah, advanced yeah. skills. So, like rescuing a drowning yeah. person, you've got to kind of gradually acquire those kind of skills through shaping. And mm. and it might be that thinking about the observational aspect could be mm. a useful way to yeah. think about teaching, breaking yeah. those things down, and teaching dogs new things. I think, I think the more I think about it, you know, observational 
mimicry, if you like, you know, copying what other dogs do, that's got to have an adaptive survival benefit yeah, anyway, yeah. hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I can't tell you what to do yeah. as, a, as an adult dog to a pup or an yeah. adult wolf to a cub or whatever. I can't tell you, but I can show you. Yeah. Do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? And you can, you can come and you can come with me and learn. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course it's, it, it's provided that it leads to a, you know, a, yeah. a, a sort of like um, satisfactory conclusion. Luther taught Jimmy Choo how to open doors. So Luther can jump up and hit the door handle and open it. We had to How change. the hell does Jimmy Choo do that? Well, we had to change all the door handles in our house to door knobs because Luther was just like literally letting himself in and out. Uh, and Jimmy can't quite reach it. So now Luther goes to do it and Jimmy's there and he's reaching for it and can't quite do it. So now Luther gets up, does the door handle and then Jimmy's poking his nose around. So they work oh, it's teamwork? Team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he goes around to see if the coast is clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow. Brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> it's so funny. Wow. Yeah. But there is something, isn't there, about um, dogs picking up bad habits yeah. from each other. And I think, I th- yeah, but I think also, it also has an element of like genetic disposition. So I have like a, um, a crab apple tree at the bottom of my garden and like one of your dogs, Flint, it's not about the apples. He just loves to retrieve and it's round. It's like a ball. So every single time we let him out in that garden, he is going to come back and be like, look what I've got for you. He's out there with all my other dogs and not one of them do that behaviour. But that is ingrained in that dog through tra- effects of training and obviously genetics. He's bred for it. He's well-bred bred, uh, work in Labrador. Uh, none of the other dogs have even thought about even putting an apple in their mouths. Not mm. not one of them. But they witness Flint doing that every day and he's done it for the last four years. Are they watching him then get the reinforcement from you? Um, when he comes well, back well no, I don't. I don't. Re- the problem is, it's a self-reinforcing behavior. He lives um, to retrieve. I don't ever give him any fuss, which is possibly why they, you know, they, they, I just yeah. go, "Dad, take it off him," and then he walks, and then he runs off and brings another one until I I've wonder. got a collection of apples. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I wonder if they saw you fussing him afterwards. I wonder if, whether they would try. It. Well, unfortunately, we'll never know because it does me head in, and I don't want another dog doing no. it. <laughs> yeah. But the name of science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like I said, it is one of those things that, um, you know, I I don't work sheepdogs or anything. I don't train sheepdogs, but I do know lots of farmers, you know, lots of shepherds who will take a young pup and put a young pup alongside older dogs to be able to, I mean, obviously the young pup comes, you know, born with a certain aspect of knowing what they're they're required to do, you know, and it's behaviours that they're bred into them that, that, that you then bring under your control. But I do know there's a lot of use of older dogs. Yeah. to help with that as well. I would imagine in a protection dog sense as well, it, it might be you know, a beneficial thing. If one dog's firing up at somebody as an adult yeah. and the young dog is seeing it yeah, and picking them, up yeah. off that behaviour, you know. Yeah. We let them witness it, especially in dogs with excessive um, drive to them, like excessively prey-driven dogs. We call them prey junkies. They're not They're not that vocal. They just kind of stare intently and chatter their teeth. And sometimes Logan can, does that. Yeah, Logan, Logan was a nightmare to get, we call it a watch command, which basically means bark on command because you don't want to have to use your dog on someone. You'd rather deter um, and trying to draw a bark out to that dog because he's all business. He just wants to bite. It's difficult. Well, frustration can build the, 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 the bark in them, in them dogs, um, that are excessively prey driven. So that's what we do. We, we leave him in a state of frustration. I, he's watching it all go on and he's like, I really want to get involved. And then he might vocalize and then you get a, you get a bite on this rag and we'll play. So we kind of relate, learns that the bark releases the bite. Do you get yeah. me? Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we use it in that sense. Yeah. And the amount of times as well that you'll hear, you'll have heard this and yeah. I've heard it umpteen times over when somebody has, um, two dogs, maybe an older dog and a younger dog. And, uh, I'll be working with them, say for the younger dog, but then they'll say, can you have a look at her as well? And say, yeah, she, she used to be fine. And then when that one came along, yeah, she yeah. started picking up on what she's doing yeah, or yeah. the younger one started, it doesn't necessarily work one way. It's not always that the younger one copies no, the older no, one not at all, yeah, but no. the older one can copy the behavior yeah. of the younger one you know so something to consider as well if you're thinking of getting more than one or if you've got a dog and you're thinking of getting another one yeah. is the fact that you do have that you know that potential for one dog to feed off the other and copy the behaviors of the other dog interestingly mm-hmm. in this study all of the dogs that failed to copy the behavior from the other dog were under two years old right mm. the older dogs got it more quickly Really? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Because you would think if there was any sort of adaptive element that it would be more prevalent younger yeah. in life. Yeah. More like a sponge, aren't you? Yeah. It's pointless learning how to feed for yourself and yeah. hunt for yourself when you're old. Yeah, yeah but yeah. when you're young, you know everything, don't you? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You can't te- it must be the same with dogs. Yeah. You can't teach yeah. me anything, Grandad. That's probably what it is. <laughs> we'll be right back after the break. At the beginning, Sam, we said that there's a social aspect to people copying 
Um, is that the same with dogs? Well, I wanted to find this out as well because I'd looked at lots of stuff about dogs observing and I thought, well, you know, is it the case, given that dogs are so closely bonded with humans, is there any evidence that with dogs there's some kind of like social benefit to them observing us and copying or emulating rather what we do? Well, there is some very strong evidence, as we know, that dogs can imitate humans. Not a surprise, given their cross-species communication skills, but quite a human trait is to imitate things that other people do that might actually be quite mundane and, dare I say it, completely irrelevant. You just faithfully copy them despite it being completely useless. <laughs> That's no, got value in it. It's got, gig it's, got giggle it's got giggle points in it. Yeah, like, that was a bonding There's nothing useless thing. in yeah. that. Like there was one study that got people to tap the side of a jar with a feather and then unscrew a lid to retrieve a dinosaur from inside the yes. the the, 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 the hell came up with that? Yeah. Meanwhile, when they came but down from their mushroom it. journey, yeah. people did it. They weren't just going, "Oh, I'll get the dinosaur." They all got mm. the feather and went first and then yeah. undid the jar to get the dinosaur. Now that phenomenon is called over-imitation. And we thought it was completely uniquely human. Because otherwise, why would you do it? What's the point? Mm. It's irrelevant. It's useless. It's nothing to do with the task. Now, it could be that you just think that whatever happened before the goal is a causal step. So it might be that you think, well, I can only unlock the jar by tapping it with the feather, for example, and you don't yet understand that it's not a necessary step. So it could be that. Um, or it could just be that copying is important to promote your affiliation to someone. Mm -hmm. It's like that social thing, that bonding thing. Now, yeah. do dogs copy us blindly, therefore have some kind of social basis to what they're doing? Or are they just driven by getting the reward, by getting the outcome of whatever it is they're copying us? Are they goal-driven? One study took 72 pooches and the owner, this I love this bit, had to wipe their nose three times in a piece of paper that was then glued by the door to act as a scent control. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea of the utility of that bit, but they did it. Dog smell and glue? Well, yeah, it could be. It could be. They were saying that it was important for the dog to follow their actions uh, and not the experiment that had been in the room before. So they were trying to kind of like show that it was only the human, that had, the owner that had been in there. But I thought that bit was a bit irrelevant and wrong, but there yeah. we go. It was what it was. Um, so the owners then did things for the dogs to copy that were either relevant to the goal or completely irrelevant. So, for example, if they were sliding a door open to get a treat, the sliding the door is relevant to the goal, yeah. right? You can see that that action releases the treat. They also had something that was irrelevant, like touching their nose on some colored dots, which is not relevant to opening the door to get a treat at all. Now, if they were doing something relevant, like sliding the door to get a treat, and then doing something irrelevant, well, that's just copying and we get that. You know that touching the coloured dots isn't going to release the food. So that's not necessarily... Because it comes afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. it's not it's not over-imitation because it's nothing to do with the goal. But if it's the other way around and they were touching the coloured dots and then sliding the door to get a treat and then the dogs copied that, that would be over-imitation because touching the coloured dots has got nothing to do with sliding the door open to get the treat. Now, for it to be classed as true imitation, they'd have to use the same body part because you can't slide a door open with your hand and then expect the dog to do it with their paw. So throughout all of this, they had to use their noses to touch the dots and their noses to open the door. I've got a thought on this. Okay. And my thought on this is that um, as a dog, your primary sense is scent. Mm -hmm. And if you are using, as the human experimenter or the human researcher, and you are using your nose to go over to something that we consider to be not necessarily relevant to the to the process to 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 get the over is it over imitation yeah to get the over imitation um so we go over and we think well the dog can't i mean i could have touched it and the dog could pour it i could have kicked it and the dog could kick it but instead i go and sniff it and me sniffing it is arguably more of a sort of like behavior that the dog is likely to do in a natural state and then mm. me going and sniffing i'm moving it with my nose but the dog doesn't know that <laughs> yeah, i'm sniffing yeah, yeah. and i'm uh, revealing the treat on the other side so i'm basically searching this area to come over to search this area to be able to release the treat i would be interested to see a similar study done where i go over and i kick over a bucket 
or I scrape my foot on some papers on the floor and then I go over mm. and release the door to the tree and see what the results yield from something like that. Yeah, that would be mm. interesting, actually. You see what I mean? Yeah, that would be interesting. Well, in this study, they found about half of the dogs actually copied something completely irrelevant. About half of the dogs. And that's a medium level of over-imitation. And when you compare that to great apes, go on. none. None in great apes. You don't see That's any mad. of that. I wouldn't yeah. have expected that, would you? Yeah. What, so the great ape is smarter? No, no. The, the, the dog is more able to copy well, the dog, the yeah. The, or it, the ape realises that the pushing of the buttons with your nose. Yeah, was it still with the nose? Did we do it with the nose with the apes or don't we know that? Uh, I don't know okay. what yeah, the okay. study was. I would imagine the apes, you do it. But the final oh, it, okay. it wasn't the same study. It wasn't the same study. It was just a study separately for some <laughs> But basically what they found is there's, a, there's potentially a social aspect to dogs copying us, whereas there aren't with great apes. So it's not actually a uniquely human trait after all. Mimicry. Mm. Which is probably why it's easier to train dogs than other animals. Than great apes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this. the thing for this that I found really interesting is that to dogs, pressing their noses against the coloured dots wasn't irrelevant. It was relevant to them because it was part of the social game, potentially. Socially, it was important to the dogs to do the same thing that the owner had done. I would say, on an alternative to that, the owner has gone over and touched the dot with its nose. The dog goes over and sniffs the scent of where the owner's just touched the dot and then goes over to the second place where yeah. the owner has sniffed the dot and reveals the food. Yeah. And the actual yeah. link in between yeah. one behaviour to the other behaviour isn't necessarily yeah. um, proven. Equally feasible. Yeah, yeah. Good job that they had their... 50-50. Con- yeah. We both win. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. all yeah, yeah, yeah. winner. Yeah. Good job they had their control piece of paper <laughs> where the owner had sniffed and wiped their nose three times and hung it above the yeah, top. That sorted everything. <laughs> that was well done. Fantastic. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. It could be why it's easier to train dogs than other animals. Like You wouldn't see a cat doing that, would you? you go, hey, kitty, come and do this. And they'd be like, oh, you've opened the door for me. Thanks. Uh, you called? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My name's not Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> Ask the dog. He'll do anything. Yeah. 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 For a treat. <laughs> to go back to the original point on can dogs pick up our bad habits? Not really. No. I wouldn't say so, would you? I mean, if 50% or around 50% of dogs can pick up habits that are um, unintentional, not necessarily from our point of view, related to the task of opening the door to get the treat, or uh, you know, however we view it, then I don't really see that. You mm. it depends what your bad habits are. Yeah. What bad habits are you going to have that your dogs mm. that your dogs going to pick yeah. it up? Do you know what I mean? Scratching your nuts. Yeah. This um, well, yeah, they pick this, that up. This whole this. I never lick them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even give any credibility really to that do as I do method. Like it's just not something that we. That we do in dog training. I don't doubt that, you know, the, the odd dog it might excel more than the majority of dogs. But I, I tell you a little funny story. I've got a, a guy, a lad who trains with me, Alistair. Um, he's a good mate of mine now. And his, his, um, when he, he brought his, his Malinois to me because it was fearfully aggressive, but he, he started out in like an, um, an IPO club. And I don't think this guy was at, um, an IPO is a dog sport. I don't think this guy was an experienced trainer. I think he, I think he was a bit of a Tom Pepper and that's a liar for anyone else who doesn't know what that is. But um, they were going through tracking and the guy told him that he needs to get on all fours and sniff the ground so that his dog copies. I went, shut up. You did not do that. He went, I did. It was there. Like, I was like, are you mad? And did she copy? He went, no, did she? I was just looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's a true story. That is a true story. And I'm sure Alistair will be happy to put a comment in there to confirm. Oh, but you're absolutely thrilled that Danny brought that up, Alistair. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. He likes to say that. Because again, he said, we all have a laugh over it, but he says, I knew nothing about dogs. I went there because you go to the people who are supposed to know. So he said, they was like, sounds a bit mad, but okay, if that's how they learn. He, he, he didn't know, you know mm. what I mean? Mad, mm. didn't it? That's mad. brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Craziness. I do think though, when, when you say about the do as I do training, like you say, Danny, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not, I, whatever, whatever tickles your pickle, you know, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you're into it, do it. But I do sort of think there are some things where, why? Yeah. Why? Why? 
Why? Well, what, how, I mean, how is that going to enhance your lives, yeah. your short lives together? Yeah. You know, yeah. but if it does, if you get fun out of it, over the like, years, oh. over the years, I've messed around with all sorts of stuff like that. Just like add it, like you did with the with the stepladder. Just what would what would they do? What would this? And you know, trying to pull cupboards open, you don't just look. Yeah. Mm. Best shot you get a, mm. a knock. You know what I mean? But encouraging gameplay with a specific toy and then making that relevant to an action. They get onto that very, very quickly and you'd be surprised how quick they can, you can, you can teach like practical behaviours that could really come in handy by doing that. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you could use it to teach dogs how to go to the toilet on the toilet like you do like with Mr. cats. Like, like, like Jinxie like yeah. Jinxy on the Meet the Fuckers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But people do. There are there, there are um, yeah, yeah. videos of that online, aren't there? Although it's not done with mimicry, but it's done no. with... How do they do that with cats? Success. They put things on. So if, if, you needed, if you needed the dog to flush a chain... You know, you, or, or, or no, no, the cats. How do they teach a cat to go to the toilet? It's the same the sort toilet? of thing. You just make that that space relevant. You know what I mean? You'd start like putting a kit, a litter box on on the toilet, wouldn't you? So the dog, the cat used to go in there to do to do that particular act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, producer Will has just told me that they put different size litter trays on the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all, it's all about creating habit, new habits, isn't yeah. it? And making it, making this is what we do in this particular place. You generally start <laughs> yeah. off with a grosser example, yeah. a bigger like, example of what you want to yeah. achieve, and yeah. then bring it right. Well, it's quite down, a gross example, example when it, isn't it? Really? The, one of the episodes we were talking about the button pushing for communication. Yeah. Um, my um, my partner's mum's got one of one of Jamie's puppies, and um, I they, she wanted to, to play that game and was wondering how to do it. And I said, and she had it on the floor, messing. I said, don't. Your dog gives you your paw. Put it in your hand and say touch or whatever you want to say get the dog used to it and then gradually build it towards the floor and the dog picks it up in no time do you know what I mean maybe we should teach Jimmy Chew to go to the toilet in the toilet could you imagine him coming out in the toilet just uh, coming out in the morning just wagging his tail with the newspaper I can more imagine you coming out and going like that and I'm going occupied (laughs) 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 occupied I mean, to be fair, Sab, that's just another male that you have to worry about pissing on the seat, isn't it? So I wouldn't be bothered with that. <laughs> or the floor. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. now we know all of this useful stuff, what can we do practically? Yeah, well, we know that the the more likely dogs are more likely to, you know, emulate and, and copy other dogs' behaviours. So while your dogs are still at very impressionable ages and you're trying to mould your dogs into doing the behaviours that are, are better for you and, and, you know, less risky for them, avoid places of what we term, what we coin, canine chaos. Avoid dog parks where your dog can, dogs can pick up loads of bad habits. That could mm. be a good one. Equally, don't get another dog into your home to try and resolve the behaviour problems that your existing dog is showing. You know, thinking that if I introduce a new dog, then the new dog, he'll pick up on the new dog because he's a bit naughty and she's a lot better yeah. behaved than she. It can work the opposite way around. Dogs do pick up on one another's behaviour. But also a lot of the time, that behaviour sort of like mimicry, mm. as we'd call it, has got a more of a sort of like natural yeah. uh, meaning behind it. Yeah. You know, it's stuff that dogs do because they are dogs, because they are social animals, because they've... Yeah evolved to you know work collectively towards specific yeah. goals so yeah. a lot of the time you can see one dog doing one thing and another dog doing it and think that they're copying or that perhaps the dog's being naughty for copying them whereas really they're just being what they are yeah, yeah. and 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 you know lastly management is key when you have a dog it is literally the only example in in life where you can you know you take your friends your family your partner anything else they're, they're subject to learn from like their own experience. They're their own individuals. But with a dog, you have this unique superpower of you can pretty much control all their exposure. Therefore, you can control what they like to indulge in and what, um, and what you don't want them to do. Mm. If you take the time to manage the environment, you can literally mold that dog to be your perfect companion and both have a really happy, fulfilled life. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely can. Right. What about some questions? Yeah, I've got a question here. Thank you very much for sending it in. The first question is that my dog can be nervous at times, um, which can cause issues. They can be nervous around packs of dogs or nervous around big dogs. So at the moment, I'm just not, uh, I don't let them mix with just any dogs and I'm working with a trainer. But the question goes on, are there any ways, any fun ways that are fun for the dog to be able to build her confidence? What do you think, Danny? It's very difficult to answer. Again, you don't really know the dog you're working with. Your dog might be a little bit genetically nervous, um, in which case, again, slow, slow is the key, isn't it? You know what I mean? I, I, some of these questions can be difficult when you don't actually see which dog you're yeah. working with because dogs are individuals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we've we've mentioned this before, haven't we? You yeah. know, when, when we've talked about... Um, 
getting advice for issues that I mean, great that you're working with a trainer. Yeah, yeah. Great that you're controlling the environment and not necessarily letting the dog Not so great that your trainer's not answering this question for you, but yeah. Yeah, have any <laughs> Great that you're looking for a new trainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two are available. Yeah. <laughs> Yours. <laughs> um, no, great that you're working with a trainer. It's great that you're looking to resolve the issue. Um, looking for fun ways to be able to build confidence in your dog. And this is something that we've talked about in previous episodes. And, you know, it is a, a valid point. If you want to build confidence in a dog that you think lacks it or a dog that you've been told lacks it and does indeed lack confidence, you don't necessarily need to do that in the confidence, in the situation, in the context mm -hmm. where you see that lack of confidence. A lack of confidence in a dog can generally come from their not thinking that they can control their world. You know, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's probably going to be bad or something that I can't control if it does happen and I don't know when. So by generating, switching that around and teaching the dog things where, listen, if you do this behavior, you can get this consequence, this reward as a result of it. You can avoid that thing. Just listen to this command, listen to this signal, essentially what's known as training your dog, but training your dog so that they succeed, so that they can really reliably predict what's going to happen and control how to get it or how to avoid it by listening to your instruction. That builds confidence in dogs. In fact, there's yeah. a, there's a, an interesting study that was done by uh, Lincoln on uh, cat electronic containment systems for anybody who doesn't know, which is a, an electronic fence that goes around a property, around a boundary of properties that are difficult to fence with standard fencing. And the cat wears an electronic collar. Now, as the cat approaches this boundary, it's taught, first of all, the collar beeps. And then as it gets nearer, if it continues going nearer, the collar uh, uh, delivers like a little static pulse that causes the, the, the cat to startle and move away. So the cat learns by associative learning learning. If I approach this location, I will hear the beep. If I turn away when I hear the beep, nothing happens. I remain in, in the safe boundaries of my garden. But if I keep going forwards, I will feel the static pulse of the collar, which basically serves to correct me, to punish me for moving forwards. Now, what we would think is that that would have a detrimental impact on the cats, you know, because they're wearing an electronic collar and they must, by, by very nature of the fact that it's an electronic collar, be bad. But that isn't what the Lincoln research found. What the Lincoln research research found was not only did the cats respond very, very quickly and learn very quickly to stay within the boundaries, but when they ran subsequent tests afterwards to see if the cats were more confident, they found that they, this was right, right up your street, but um, they found that the cats were able to perform better in problem solving tasks which suggested that the cats have got greater com confidence than cats that hadn't gone through Which that training. Which makes complete sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you've, you've basically taught an animal. It's you can control solve. your environment by doing this, yeah, this, yeah. this, this. Yeah. Gives you a confident animal that's able yeah. to go on. And there's multiple studies that demonstrate something similar with handheld devices with dogs and predation, isn't it, Jamie? Yeah, lots and lots and lots of things. Do the research. Have yeah. a look in. You know, not everything is as it seems. There's lots of ways, lots of ways that you can develop confidence, often in ways that you wouldn't really believe to be the avenue to do it. Yeah. And what I would say is to um, anyone at home, if you are, as a general principle, if you're ever training something and you have like a purpose in mind, for example, a recall, I'm trying to train a recall, if whatever you're training, you spot an element of fear, then your your priority is that fear. So, for example, recall. If you're training recall and you've noticed that your dog is scared of a particular thing and you just continue training recall, at some point that recall is going to fail you because if you haven't addressed what that dog is unsure of and you think you've got a good, solid, bulletproof recall, you let your dog off lead, and when that thing is present, your dog can go into flight. Mm. So it's important that we, you know, obviously don't make mountains out of molehills, but it's important that you do address irrational fear in your dogs. Yeah, like we said in an earlier episode, decent teachers, decent trainers make molehills out of mountains. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's how you know you've got a good trainer. Great question. Second though. question? Let's hear it. Okay, so this one looks at a couple of things. It looks at, um, I'm just saying that because if I read the question just as it goes, I might lose you a little bit, but this one looks at two things. It looks at how people treat their, their cats and their dogs. And it also looks at whether or not dogs see us in a certain way. Okay, so that, that will make sense when I read it. Is it true that when we have a dog or, well, sorry, when we have dog or cat pets or any other animal, they look at us as the parent. Therefore, we keep them perpetually as puppies or kittens. Or with dogs, are they responding to the innate pack mentality, seeing us as the leader? There's a lot of contentious yeah. bits and bobs in that question. 
It's quite a deep question, isn't it? It is. A de- though, like I said, that's why yeah. I had to say the first bit because yeah, it yeah, really needs breaking down. You've got yeah, yeah. we're parents perpetually keeping it with and you know leaders and pack leaders, permanently yeah. keeping animals as puppies, seeing them yeah. as puppies or kittens. Pack leaders, yeah. you know. Um, uh, what was the other one? Innate mentalities, yeah. innate pack mentalities. I- I'll address the the the, le- the leader thing first. You know, I think in the dog training world there is far too much emphasis on terminology. What what one trainer calls one thing, another calls another, and you know, if you say pack leader, they'll be God knows how many people will jump on you thinking that you're, you're going into old school understandings of dogs, won't they? Um, when you're being a, being a leader to your dog, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being a leader to your dog. You're not, you're not a dog and you're not a leader of any pack, but you're, you are your dog's sole access to information. And by you making that information relevant, then your dog does look to you for guidance and leadership and clarity. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's no, the, the whole thing, you know, for anybody who isn't aware, but the whole thing of why Danny and I are saying that these words are contentious or why they're problematic and things like that is because there is, within the dog training and dog ownership space, that world, there is a tendency to poison certain words, make them things that people should consider to be, oh, got to keep away from using that, got to keep away from, you know, um, even considering that. Things like pack would be one of those yeah. because, you know, and instead we'd say a family unit or a social unit, you know, it doesn't matter. It's semantics. It's the same thing. What you say, you know, you say tomato, I say tomato. It doesn't really matter. Leadership, people think, oh, well, you can't be a leader because if you're a leader, it means that you're dominating your dog and you're, you're yeah. ruling by force, etc. Leader, educator, guide, teacher, yeah. all the same thing really doesn't yeah. matter what we say. So I think the, the, the answer to the, the second part of the question, are they responding to an egg pack mentality? Dogs are social animals that we've bred, you know, yeah. haven't we, for thousands of years to become part of our pack, part yeah. of our family, part of our community, our society. So there is that um, membership of a group, just like we are with our families, just like any other animal, social mammal is with their families. Dogs are also part of that group. So there is partly that innate uh, thing mm-hmm. there. But whether your dog sees you as a leader depends entirely upon how you base your relationship with your dog, whether you give them instruction, whether it's calm and clear, whether it's something that they can consistently predict, you know, and control outcomes for and things like that. That's where true leadership comes in with guidance. And we have to answer the first part of the question. Um, dogs looking at you as, as, as a parent, you know, I'd say they look at you of aspects of parenting, i.e., like I said, guidance and look to you to translate the, the unknown into the known. But, when you see your dog, when you see yourself as a parent to a dog, then you naturally see your dog as a child. And as a dog trainer, I do see a lot of behavioral fallout from that particular view that your dog is a child. They're not. It's very important to respect them as a dog. That's not to say that you can't enjoy them and love them as a child, but just be a bit more clear on that. Mm, yeah. Good questions, though. And do you know what I always fancy after a good question? I think you fancy a good dick. I do fancy a good yeah. dick. Yeah. Come on, then. Okay. Got We've got... Ava May from Flesh Shank, Northumberland. That's a um, that's a that's a that's a funny place, isn't it? And I love I love that this isn't a big long ick. This is just fair baby exclamation mark. I have a lot to say about this. Can, can I start with this? Do. I could just gesticulate with an yeah. exclamation mark. <laughs> that would be the end of my input. I think I think that term alone comes with a lot of behavioural fallout. When we, when well, we... firstly, this assumes they've got fur. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skin yeah. babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> skin babies, yeah. When, when, we, when we automatically, you know, label our dogs as a baby, then we will treat and interact with our dogs as such. And again, as I've just mentioned with the questions, there is behavioural fallout as a result of that. It's very important that we see our dogs as a dog. I know um, it's not very inclusive, but once upon a time, dogs were man's best friend. And I think we had a much better overall relationship with our dogs when we seen them as dogs and as our best friends, because my dogs are my best friends. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think we need to kind of get away from the whole fear baby thing um, and have and start respecting dogs for the species they are. And let's kind of move over to people's best friends. Do you know what I mean? Anything you want to add to that, Jamie? I was just going to say, for me, the the term, and I know I said that I, I gesticulate with an exclamation yeah. mark, or whatever. That that's you know I'm, I'm I'm being sort of like I'm dismissive there. But for me, the problem with that is that fur baby in itself, call your dog what you want, call it Clive, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Claire, whatever. Uh-huh, you, who uh-huh. cares? It's the it's the meaning behind the term, and the term has come to be um, representative of a way of seeing and a way of uh, treating dogs like Danny said yeah. as being 
uh, mini humans in fur coats to steal a quote from the 1950s. But that with it comes fallout, comes problems. And the problems is what I'd call the Disneyfication funnel, yeah. where, you know, dogs and humans enter. And as they go down, fur babies start to treat them like babies, start to see them as representative of small humans, expect small humans' behavior from opportunistic predators, mm. you know, and there are potential problems in that. So for me, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Why Why the term, the word itself, no, what the word represents. Yeah. Yes, it's a nick for me. I just want to add one thing to that, just a tiny bit of food for thought. Um, for anyone who's struggling to deal with that concept, then you do, you know, you, you love your dog as a baby, um, you know, which is fine. As l- at least you love your dog. Understand this. If I was to go away from dog training and no one knew I was anything to do with dog training, and I said to you, I treat my newborn baby as a dog, you would be mortified. Mm. So what makes you think it's a good thing to treat your dog as a baby? Absolutely. Let's respect Brilliant it as point. the species they are. Brilliant point. Danny. Can you hick us again? Please? I can hick it again. I can hick it again. We've got Kirsty from Three Cocks. Greedy Kirsty. <laughs> Greedy. Lucky Kirsty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually know Three Cocks. Oh, those guys. Yeah. Two of us are sat here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, Mike, Mike's got family near there. Oh, has he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah it's a, it's a real cocks. place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why we've been married to For Breckenshire. Now, okay. Three Cocks from Breckenshire. And Kirsty says, when someone says, what's the best no-pull hard... Oh, I can't even say it. I can't even say it. Come on, you've got this. You've got this pretty... Kirsty says, when someone says, what's the best no-pull harness when their dog is pulling their arm out in a no-pull harness? Kirsty, you're at the top of my favourites list. There is no such thing as a no-pull harness. They're a very expensive harness that still allows your dog to pull comfortably. So that is a... Um, a a market employee to make you spend your money. If your dog's pulling, seek out a reputable dog trainer. Don't fall into the fad of lotions and potions and special equipment. You just need some good dog training. Completely agree with you. Completely agree. Great questions. Great icks. I feel very well icked. Jamie, if people want to get in touch, how can they do so? Well, if you want to get in touch with us on social media, at Dog Scholar Podcast, or if you want to drop us an email, we welcome your emails, then podcast at thedogscholar.com. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a friend because if they don't like it, maybe the dogs will. Hopefully you won't have picked up any of Danny's bad habits. Mm. Danny, we've got time for a final thought. What have you got, mate? I might have to stick one in that then. (laughs) Okay, we've established that dogs are always watching us and to some extent can even mimic our behaviour. But let's not get carried away with that concept. Otherwise, my dogs would be scratching the nuts and playing Xbox way too much. (laughs) See you next week.